Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Paschal Historians. I am Dr. Rad. And I am Dr. G. And we're back, tracing the journey of Rome from the founding of the city. And boy, what an exciting ride it is at the moment. We are in an intense moment. We left you on, like, an amazing cliffhanger (laughs) where the Sabines have just, like, emerged over the horizon as a looming force towards the city of Rome. And we actually haven't talked a lot about the Sabines. Because nobody cares about them. Yeah. But, I mean, as as people who are... Quite, loom quite large in the mythological stories of early Roman history. You yeah. know, a traditional enemy. They've been a bit quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> <laughs> that was yonks ago. Exactly, yeah. Um, and things have also been a bit tense on the domestic front as well, uh, particularly in my account. Livy is continually reminding me that there are these issues going on with the tribunes pressing for the law against the laws. So this formalising of the Roman legal system so that the plebeians are a little bit more aware of, you know, what they're up against. (laughs) You have rights. You need to know what they are. if you're going to discriminate against me, at least I know how and why. (laughs) Please tell me why. Uh, I actually forgot to mention last time that when the uh, tribunes were kicking off at the beginning of 458 about the law against the laws once they'd been safely re-elected, um, they were. They actually had granted the consuls two months to inspect their proposal and and consider the consider it from every angle. I suppose how generous I know. And they were thinking that at the end of these two months, they would then lay before the people exactly what was being proposed. Um, and I, again, I, I like the way this has been translated. Uh, explain what hidden mischief might have been <laughs> involved potentially allowing a vote on the issue. Wow. And so there'd actually been this this slight lull, except that's when the Aquians broke the treaty. So I, I forgot to mention that. I'm going to hold them responsible for the cancellation <laughs> of the law against the laws. Exactly. Um, if it's not internal, it's, it's external and vice versa. Yeah, well, um, the Aquians have really caught the Romans in a bind at this point. They certainly have. When we uh, were last talking about this, uh, the Aquians are being led by one charismatic, almost king slash divine light figure Clolius Gracchus and not only has he insulted the Romans by telling them to talk to the trees he doesn't care about what they've got to say but he's also now managed to trick the Roman army into being stuck in a valley uh, while he's encamped up a hill on a road looking down at them and kind of laughing I think yeah definitely so the consul Manucius is the one that had been uh, trapped by the Aquians. And in the meantime, the Sabines had made this uh, sally against Roman territory, and Nautius has been campaigning against them, and he seems to be doing pretty well, uh, mostly because he's sort of chipping away. You know, he's doing little raids here and there and uh, cutting them down gradually, uh, and then he also seeks revenge on the Sabines' own territory, attacking their fields. Uh, apparently attacking it so badly, it made it seem as though the Sabines had never come near Rome uh, because the damage they did was just so inconsequential in comparison. <laughs> um, for this reason, I presume... Nautilus has been a good boy. Exactly, yeah. For this reason, I presume uh, Manucius reached out to him and said, I'm in a little bit of a bind. Mate, I hear you're free. <laughs> yeah, would you mind coming to rescue me? However, not even Nautius 
might be equal to the task, Dr. G. Wow. Exactly. It's time. It's time to unleash the hidden force that is the dictator. (gasps) I know. I I don't know know if I'm ready for this. (laughs) Well, it's happening. I mean, and again, this is something in my account which I couldn't really talk about when you were referring to this moment or a similar moment a little while ago. Um, But I, I feel like there is... There, there must be some connection between them. They're too similar not to be related. It's just, again, that, that ordering of things and the way that Livy and Dionysius put things slightly differently and have things in a slightly different arrangement. So it's at this moment that they agree there's only one man who can come to the aid of Manuchius. Oh, no. Help the dignity of Rome. Please don't. Cincinnatus. Ah. <laughs> and it's at this moment that we have that absolutely quintessential quintus moment. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. Yeah. Uh, Where they send out representatives from Rome to talk to him and talk him into serving as a dictator. Lo and behold, where do they find him? He's at his farm. He's at his farm. Guess what? He's not wearing any clothes. Exactly. Yeah. Toiling away (laughs) the sweat running down his slightly turned back. You have to imagine a man... Uh, quite fit, in his 50s, um, sweating in the sun. He's an Italian, so we don't know how hairy he is. I like to imagine Brad Pitt because he has aged well. <laughs> if, we're, if we're talking like once upon a time in Hollywood, Brad Pitt, I'm down with that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and so, yes, Livy says, look, I don't know exactly what he was doing, but it was something rustic. <laughs> Livy's amazing. All right, I can't wait to give you Dionysius's version. Now. Yeah, it was, it was something hot. You know, like not, <laughs> it not, was a not warm day. Yeah. Um, so the representatives from Rome come up to him and say, "Look, we've got some important news. So could you please put on a, a toga?" <laughs> Uh, so he tells Preferably his, this giant purple toga that we brought with us. This is actually the most exciting moment of this episode for me because I'm about to actually tell you that I know the name of his wife. Oh, yeah. We've been talking about this guy's family in one way or another, like whether it's him or his son, Kaizo. We've been talking about this guy's for ages. Mm. Not once has the wife slash mother been mentioned. Yeah, she was pretty appara- important. Yeah, her name is apparently Rasilia or Rakilia, I suppose you would say. Nice. Yeah, and he says to her, hmm. I think something's afoot. Come and get my toe, girl, would you? Uh, so he tries to wipe away as much of the sweat and dirt that he's accrued being, doing his sexy manly farming. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, puts on his toga, and at that moment they feel... She's like, don't go. You're looking so good right now. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Stay home, honey. <laughs> now that they see him equipped in all his glory... I'll make more sons with you. <laughs> they say, you're a dictator. Hail. <laughs> um, well done. Good on you that you're considered up to this task. Jolly good show. Exactly. Glad you put on a shirt, old boy. <laughs> now that you're dressed for the occasion, would you mind popping on some clogs and coming to yes. Rome? Would you mind very much saving us all? It's the Aquians, you see. Yes, exactly. It's it's rather alarming. Uh, I'm not going to beat around the bush, old chap. Uh, we've got a boat waiting for you. Tally ho! <laughs> and away we go. <laughs> um, so, yes. <laughs> I want to do the whole episode in faux English accents yeah. now. <laughs> I feel like eventually our listeners will stop listening if we do. Um, yeah, so he, he, go, he gets on the boat, uh, paid for by the state, of course. Um, Is and, this a state-run <laughs> vessel? As, Who are these men? As he gets to the other side of the river, 
his three sons that were not, not exiled yeah. <laughs> when Kaizo was are waiting for him. On top of that, all his family, all his friends, and I say friends loosely, I feel like this might mean, you know, like clients, hangers on. And of course, most of the Senate are, you know, fangirling as well. So oh, Sonatas. <laughs> Oh. oh my god, even though you're wearing a toga, I think I can smell oh. a farm on you. Is that straw in your hair? Are you putting aside your farming for your stately duty? Have god. you have you come to save us again? So hot. How can we ever repay you? <laughs> god, America's gonna go crazy for this eventually. <laughs> uh anyway, so yeah, um attended by this huge crowd and also lictors because, you know. He's now All 24 of them. <laughs> that is a lot of lictors. He's now got an official position. He's escorted to his townhouse where he shall be residing. Now, the Pavilions too haven't, you know, failed to notice this crowd of people following <laughs> Cincinnatus around. Wait a minute. Isn't that the farmer? <laughs> <laughs> I presume they all know Cincinnatus pretty well by now, given yep. their dealings with Kaiso. And also their dealings with Cincinnatus, because he has been pretty harsh with them. Absolutely, yeah. For so double trouble. For one reason or another, I feel like they would know who he was. And they don't like him because he's pretty against them. No, exactly. So they see him being escorted around... They're not happy about it, as you might imagine. and This can only mean bad things for the plebeians. Well, essentially that is the case. They're extremely wary of the fact that he's just been appointed dictator. <laughs> they, they seem to be mumbling to each other, isn't this just a trifle excessive? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is just a tad OTT. <laughs> hey, you know me. <laughs> um, so they're, they're very... Gosh, do you think it's really that bad? I can't even see the Sabines anymore. If we are going to appoint someone dictator, does it really have to be this chat? <laughs> He's been a little bit, you know, problematic in the past. Uh, so, yeah. His middle feel... name's Boris, you know. <laughs> <laughs> FYI, listeners, we happen to be recording on the date of the UK election. I'm, I'm totally breaking all podcast rules by telling you that. Uh, anywho. Anyway, so I feel like I should pause at this big moment and throw to you, Dr. G, what's happening in Dionysius's land. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, let me just uh, flick ahead to the part where we get to uh, have a dictator, because that doesn't happen for quite some time <laughs> in, in Dionysius' account. It happens right towards the end of the year. So flicking ahead uh, a few pages into the source... Um, it turns out that they do get to a point, um, like in Livia's account, where they realize that they need some extra assistance. Mm. Um, they feel very much that something in addition to having two consuls on the ground, um, one proconsular force looking after the city is not enough. Yeah. And they're like, what are we going to do about that? So it feels like in Dionysus' account, they might have persisted for a little bit longer than Livy. Livy... I feel like Livy goes to Cincinnatus very quickly, whereas... Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, the lead into this is really that um, the Roman force that Manuchius is leading... Yes. Uh, we left on a cliffhanger uh, where they had decided to attack um, and pursue Gracchus's Aquian force. And, you know, like, we're stuck in this valley. Yeah. There's no way out. We're just going to have to attack well, the there's, Aquians. There's one way out. There's yeah. one way out, and we're going to take it. <laughs> we're certainly not retreating. That's not what the Romans do at all. Yeah. Um, so they push ahead, and it's a disaster. Right. And they get beaten back, and they basically have to run away with their tail between their legs. Yeah. Um, 
it's a problem. Mm. Um, and then they have to camp somewhere which is pretty unfavorable. Yeah. Um, and Clolius, in the meantime, is crowing about his success. Yeah. Um, which just makes it worse. That's salt in the wound for a Roman. Which I think is what Livy was referring to when he said the Aquians grew bolder yeah. <laughs> when the Romans weren't doing so well. <laughs> And news of the problem reaches Fabius, who's leading the forces in Rome, and he gets together his own uh, sort of extra body of fit, strong men. And As sends the Fabian is one to do, <laughs> lest we forget, Fabius, how, you know, your entire family was wiped out that way. The fittest and the strongest will be sent. Um, so he sends the fittest and strongest men in his force to go and help the consul. Yeah. They're led by a quaestor. Quintius, right. um, who's also an ex-consul. Mm-hmm. And Fabius also then sends a letter to Nautius. Mm-hmm. And we're like, help out, buddy. We've got a situation on our hands. <laughs> and because they don't think that any of that is going to be quite enough, that's when they name Lucius Quintius Cincinnatus as dictator without him knowing. Right. Because <laughs> he's not in the city. No. Um, he's doing his usual thing of being a in good farmer. In the city? In the city? No, he's tending to his business. All that decadence happens? Well, yeah. And the <laughs> trouble is that he's a, he's a farmer at heart. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, this precise sort of situation uh, where they try to appoint him something or other, um, consul, I believe, without his knowledge. Yeah. Um, he was farming and it ruined his harvest because he had to leave. And I felt like that was the moment that maybe Livy was like harking back to in your yeah. account. You know, with the I remember you talking about his shirtlessness. Oh yeah, but just you wait, because it's almost like we're gonna have a two point on that. Nice. Yeah. You know, you you have a good scene where a man takes off his shirt, you repeat it in the second season, that's a Cincinnatus <laughs> moment. Dionysius is going to go is having his part. Mr. Darcy moment. He <laughs> is for the second time. Yeah. Um, and we'll see how this plays out for him. So he's appointed dictator in absentia. Uh-huh. And this means that some people have to get sent out um, to kind of have a chat to him about that. Yeah. Um, dictators are generally more effective when they know that they're dictators. Yeah, it, it yeah. does help. It does yeah. help. Um, so what they do is they, they wander down. Um, and so part of the problem is um, that he's there and he's shirtless. Um, <laughs> that is a problem because he's so hot with so, his shirt off. I can't concentrate, <laughs> Dr. G. Stop bringing it up. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he's farming. It's nearly time for the harvest again because we know that the Aquins have just taken Tusculum's harvest crop. Ah, so it's about yes. that time of year. It's actually a busy time for farmers. Yeah. Um, and it's probably why everyone's attacking everyone's fields. Yeah. Because it's maximum damage, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so Fabius sends out some men to invite Cincinnatus to come and assume this new magistracy, the yep. dictatorship. Yeah. It chanced, Dionysius tells us, it chanced that Quintius was on this occasion also engaged in some work of husbandry. Oh. <laughs> mm. Excellent. And seeing the approaching throng and suspecting that they were coming after him, he put on more becoming apparel and went to meet them. So you sort of like cut scene and it's like, you know, you're in Rome and it's like, somebody bring me Cincinnatus to be the dictator. Cut. (laughs) Shift to the farm scene. It's a long shot. And then there's a man shirtless in the field and in the distance, as it zooms in close on his his back, pristine muscles in the field, (laughs) engaging in some hard labour. We go behind the shoulder so we can see all of his glory physically and see what he sees 
which is men in togas approaching in the distance. And they've got some bleak doors with them, so that's a bit of an issue. And he's like, I guess I better put on some more clothes. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is how I feel when I'm on school holidays and someone knocks at the door unexpectedly <laughs> and I'm still in my pyjamas like, and oh. I haven't put on a bra. And I'm like, mm, mm. I actually would like to pretend I'm not home, but unfortunately because I've got the television on, I have to answer the door and this is awkward. Yes, uh, yeah. I will spend a couple of minutes getting myself dressed yeah. and then answer the door as if I just looked this way exactly. all along. Yeah. Um, so he sees them and he puts on, a, on uh, some more becoming apparel, so Mm -hmm. throws on a tunic or some such. Yep. Anyway, it becomes pretty clear what's going on when he notices that there are 24 lick doors and they have the axes with the rods. Ooh, they mean business. They mean business, listeners. (laughs) He's then presented with a purple robe and the other insignia, which is goes with the king. So mm. there's like a scepter involved and a bit of doodads here and there. All things that just scream, I'm in charge. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, purple, that's very fetching. His <laughs> wife in the background is like, I like you in that color, honey. Make sure you come home. <laughs> um, I have to admit, sadly, uh, Dionysius of Halicarnassus omits all mention of... Uh, Cincinnatus's wife. Livy's where it's at. Don't you? I don't know how many times I tell you. Livy's where it's at. Um, but uh, Cincinnatus himself is quite vexed. He's like, and apparently says, this year's crop will be ruined. Again. Again. <laughs> because of my official duties. And we shall all go dreadfully hungry. So he's not a happy camper. Doesn't want to be dictator. Uh, well, this just adds to the sacrifice, doesn't it, that he makes to the state eventually. Yes. And so we all know what you're going to say, Cincinnatus. <laughs> don't pretend. <laughs> So he gets forced into this position, apparently. He goes to the city, gives a speech to the people uh, to raise their spirits, um, and then... I'm sure they feel great now that yeah. he's judge. Yeah, there's nothing like, yeah, you know... There's nothing like your enemy being appointed yeah, dictator. Feeling downtrodden and then having yeah. the guy who trod you down be like, let's all get together. Um, and then he appoints Lucius Tarquinius Flaccus as his master of the horse. Uh, I have a similar one. I have Lucius... Sorry, Lucius Tarquitius. Ah, uh, yes. There seems to be some variations on the spelling. Yes, yeah. Yes. But yeah, essentially the same person. And I love a good flaccus because this cognomen translates essentially as floppy-eared. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's <laughs> unfortunate. I mean, do you think that's like Prince Charles syndrome? Do your syndrome? ears hang low? Do they wobble to and fro? Can you tie them in a knot? Can you tie them in a boat? Oh, okay, I won't keep going. <laughs> Flaccus uh, is there. He's trying to hop on a horse and his ears are in the way. But he, he tries he's his Dumbo best. Dumbo <laughs> the greatest. <laughs> he's, he's always listening. Now, I, I actually have a little detail about him, which uh, I think ties in with Cincinnatus's whole brand I feel like he's very on brand with this appoint with this appointment mm. uh, because Tarquinius is patrician, of course, mm-hmm. but because he's not particularly wealthy, he has only been able to serve as a foot soldier in the past in the army. So everyone respects him a lot, but he maybe doesn't hold the position. You know that he that he might have been able to if he was a little wealthier. I feel like that's very Cincinnatus mm. to, pick, to pick such a man to be his magister equitum. Yes, yes, someone who's valiant in war, exactly, and on the right side of the family tree, yeah. but on the wrong side of poverty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Good job, Cincinnatus. Yeah. Great way to ingrate yourself to the founding fathers. Yeah. Now, in Livy's account, in, in as part of this uh, address to the people. He proclaims the courts are suspended, shops to be closed, all private business of any kind to cease. It's an emergency. 
But what about the fish sauce? It's an emergency. <laughs> uh, if only our own government recognised when there was an emergency happening and, you know, did something for Don't it. Don't talk about the government. <laughs> well, we take it off the air. <laughs> if we don't come back, you'll know what happened to us, listeners. Yeah. Anyway. Emergencies aside. Mm. <laughs> yes. So what does Cincinnatus do? Now he's the dictator. He's got what is essentially the the power of a Roman king mm. on the grand scale. Like he sits above every other magistracy. He has an absolute kind of power. And he's got his little helper. He's and he's got Tarquidius. his <laughs> Yeah, he's got his floppy eared helper. Yeah. Um so those two are now the most important legally of all of the Romans. What does he do? Well, he gets down to business, Dr. G, because that is what he is all about. I mean, we're dealing with a military emergency here. So he immediately, in my accounts, commands all men who are of military age to gather their arms, to get together five, well, sorry, bread that will last five days, and to report to the campus marshes, militaristic assembly place that it is, before sunset on that day. And if you are not a man of military age, then you should help the men that are of military age to get their crap together. Somebody give that man a loaf of bread. He needs to get on the road. Exactly. Get baking, get weapons together. Oh, and they also, importantly, need to have 12 steaks. So that'll that'll come back. Are these wooden steaks or are these like T-bone steaks? No. Sorry, and I'm yeah. like, that's a lot of meat. No, I don't, no meat. I don't think we'd want to sacrifice no, that many no. animals at this Even stage. the Romans are, are not taking, you know, not that taking... much meat okay. on campaign. <laughs> no, no, steaks is in, like, palings, I suppose. Oh, you know, okay. You know, like, to, like, build, to build some sort of to defensive build some sort of structure. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. So does that also happen in your account? No. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, well, it's actually quite funny because uh, Livy makes me, <laughs> makes me feel like they all run in every direction, running into each other, panicking that they don't have stakes. <laughs> Where are the stakes? God damn it. Chop down that tree. Exactly. Turn yeah. it into stakes. Uh, but they're all obviously very keen to obey Cincinnatus. He's just that kind of guy. Uh, and so they do assemble as requested on the campus marshes with said equipment. Very nice. Yeah. All right. All it takes is one person who just is so charismatic, you can't refuse them to tell you to do something, and all of a sudden, your army has grown by, like, five times its size. Well, isn't this the appeal of the dictator? You know, the fact that it is meant to be, like, one guy taking over and... This is always the struggle that we have in a democracy, is that the temptation to just be led by a charismatic leader always looms on the fringes of a fragile democracy. Mm. I feel like you're foreshadowing, Dr. G. Uh, Let me take you back into the past from the present. Thank you. (laughs) Before I get lost. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so my count basically means that they can can set off now. Like, they're ready. They're ready to go and face (laughs) the enemy. That didn't take long. Well, no. Good job, Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really just very enthusiastic marching. (laughs) Until they reach the camp of the enemy. Britannia. Britannia rules the sea. Very much, yeah. And and so they they march until very late at night. They meet, uh, they meet, they reach Mount Algidus. Aha. And this is where all the trouble is. This is where all the trouble is. This is where Cloelius is. This is where the other Romans are. Manuchius is sort of like, ah, help. I'm stuck. Yeah. 
Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So they're riding to their rescue. All right. Well, yeah. So Dionysius kind of skips straight to the point with that. He doesn't talk too much about Get the organization. out. I know. <laughs> what are the chances? Yeah. Um, so as soon as, uh, yeah, all of these details that you've described are sort of covered in one line. <laughs> right. Wow. Um, what a reversal of our situation. Yeah. He, yeah. he gathers some forces, gets them assembled, and then leads them out, including Fabius's forces, um, and heads out against the enemy. Mm. And as they're heading out, they're, they start to approach uh, Mount Agedis, and Cloelius sees them coming, and he is unmoved. Of course. He's very confident and cocky by this stage. A severe battle ensued. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. We really are getting right down to business, aren't we? Yeah, that was fast, wasn't yeah. it? Gracchus was beaten and shut up once more in his camp. <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought you were going to finish after you said shut up. <laughs> <laughs> they shoved an oak in his mouth. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and that was the end of him. Um, you yeah, know, uh, he has to retreat. Um, he gets penned up. And then uh, Quintius surrounds the camp. So this is Cincinnatus, surrounds the camp with a mm. high palisade fortified with many towers. See, this the is stakes. the stakes. Yes. The stakes were never mentioned in Dionysius. This is exactly why I mentioned them. <laughs> because he, once he reaches the enemy, they do a very thorough inspection, Dr. G. I get the full works on this. Uh, they, you know, Cincinnatus has clearly got an eye for strategy. He wants to figure out exactly what he'd be best you know, to do. So he tells everyone, look, just throw down your gear. Let's have a bit of a, a look around, see what see what we're actually dealing with here. Uh, and then eventually, once he's satisfied with you know what he's seen, that's when he says, right, let's surround the enemy. And on my order, everyone digs a trench, and then we erect a palisade. Ah, oh, very so it's, nice. It's organization to yeah. it. You know, it's, it's it's working well for him. He's and, a he's a great dictator. Yeah, and know? the Romans he could tell on me to do anything. Side, really. uh, cheering and cheerful and happy because they can hear each other and help has obviously arrived. Um, you know, it's all it's all happy. Oh, hello there, old chap. <laughs> Didn't know I was going to see you down here. All work and no play makes Jack oh, a dull boy. <laughs> oh, it's a very nice palisade you got there. Very nice indeed. <laughs> Oh, gee, thanks. My missus whipped them up before I left. <laughs> oh, lovely steaks. I'll have to thank her when we get home. Um, so anyway, so they, they build this whole defensive structure around Gracchus's camp. This is a huge problem. Now Gracchus is basically being besieged, uh, whereas uh, before he had the upper hand. Yes. Yes. He's, um, the besieger so, becomes the besieged. Yes. That old tale. Sad times. Yeah. Um, and... Eventually, it becomes clear that the Aquian forces are in distress and they're getting low on provisions. Yeah. Well, I mean, in in Livia's account, it's I, I gather that the way that the events seem to unfold, I gather that whilst Cincinnatus and his forces are getting into place and getting ready, so, you know, digging their trenches, erecting their palisade, etc., um, the Aquians obviously know they're being surrounded and they start fighting the consular forces that are in the camp that's been trapped uh, and so they fight all night and that that's weird it's not often we get a nighttime battle so that's a bit strange uh, that happens and then by by the time dawn comes they are flagging you know they, they're in they are in trouble they're tired and that's of course just at the right time that Cincinnatus's forces are ready to go from the outside um, and so it's quite clear 
they're not going to make it. Yeah, this does seem complicated. So we yeah. get this sense, even in Dionysius' narrative, we get this sense that Gracchus has been split off from some of the Aquian forces, mm. and the bulk of the Aquian forces are fighting Manuchius. Yes. Um, and so that's sort of like taking place, and it's going against the Aquians now. Um, and Gracchus has been sort of like stuck in this spot where Cincinnatus has had the opportunity to build some defences around him. Yes. Goodness knows how that got happened because you have to get stuck for a while for somebody to erect a whole structure around you. Um, nevertheless, that seems to be what both of our sources are suggesting happens. Yeah. The Aquians start to really flag and it's possibly of no surprise that they begin to sue for peace. Yes. This and... is what Sonatus has been waiting for. Yeah, after being after the Romans were told to talk to an oak rather than actually converse directly with Cloelius and the Aquians, because they were like not interested in anything you have to say. Uh, this is this would have been a, a rich moment. Yes, yes, and Cincinnatus does enjoy it. Uh, he basically tells the Aquians that he's very happy. Uh, to make peace with all of the Aquians, mm. except Gracchus. Yes. And if the Aquians are interested in peace, they all need to pass under the yoke one at a time. Yes. And now you did actually mention this. I, I don't think it was last episode. I think it was a couple of episodes ago. The passing under the yoke, not being, it sounds agricultural, which seems weird in a military con- context. Yeah. And it was originally an agricultural sort of yeah. idea, the yoke being the thing that, um, is worn around the sort of the animal's neck and shoulders to sort of keep it going in the right direction when you're trying to do some plowing and stuff like that. Yes. Um, but it takes on a symbolic meaning in a military context. And basically it's this, uh, they create a formation of uh, spears intercrossed with each other to form a kind of tunnel. Yeah. And the Roman soldiers will hold it and create this tunnel. And each of the enemies will walk underneath what is called the symbolic yoke, which is this tunnel of spears. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I think I described it as a bit like, you know, like those sort of things that people do at weddings where everybody's holding sparklers to create. It sounds lovely. But in a Roman context, it's terrible. Yeah, it's very Um, shameful. It's very shameful. Um, every Roman soldier has the chance to jeer at you and call you names or whatever mm, and spit yeah. on you, kick you as you go under through this tunnel. But also you legally shift from being in a state of enmity to Rome to a state of submission to Rome. Now, I don't know whether this is going to excite you or not, but again, it's... Does it involve shirtlessness? <laughs> Sadly, no. Mm. Um, but it's a weird kind of level of detail for Livy because he doesn't always go into this kind of stuff. He actually tells me that the yoke was fashioned out of three spears. Oh, very nice. So that there were two in the ground and then one was laid across the top and this is what they all had to pass through as part of their, Mm. you know, the the shameful part of their surrender. The walk of shame. But hey, you know what? They had the chance, apparently, to kill them uh, and didn't, James Bond villain style. (laughs) (laughs) They, They lived to fight again another day. Now, of course, one of the benefits for Cincinnatus and all his followers is that they now get to take the Aquian camp and everything in it. So there's quite a lot of spoils and bootay to be had. Cincinnatus, however, as we know, a bit of a stickler. He doesn't really care about booty, does he? Well, it's not so much that, but he cares about who gets it. So he says that, and this comes back to a point that you made in a previous episode, Dr. G, about the consulship, okay? He says that only the people that were under his command deserve to have the booty. That Manuchius and his followers were undeserving. It's at this time that Manuchius abdicates his consulship. 
but stays on serving under Cincinnatus. Now, you mentioned when we were talking about the consulship for this year before that there was a bit of confusion about who the consuls actually were for this year, or at least who was the... Ordinary as opposed to Suffolk consuls. Yes, the ordinary being the more important consul, the one that gives the name to the year. I think this is Mm. where the confusion partly stems from, the fact that Manukius gives up the consulship. Yeah, lays down the consulship. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, and you know what? And that is a moment of huge shame to be told by the dictator that you and your commanders are not worthy yeah, of... and Manukius comes from a fairly well-known family. Like, we've mentioned yeah. this name a few times. And... This is where the reputation, Cincinnatus has this reputation for uncompromising harshness in his approach. And the Romans love it. Like, his interpretation <laughs> of what it means to be Roman and what constitutes virtus yeah. is so traditionally conservative and down the line. So I th- I'm guessing the rationale that Cincinnatus has for this is Manukius is the reason why he had to become dictator in the first place. He was, Manukius was not able to fulfill his responsibility as consul no. and actually needed a dictator to come and get him out of this mess. And this means that he has essentially drained every worthy quality out of the consulship that he has held and made it worthless. Wow. <laughs> I feel really depressed now. <laughs> but yeah, that, so I think that's where the confusion arises from. And I, I could be wrong about this because we have done a lot of episodes now, but I actually don't remember anyone else resigning from the consulship. I don't. So I don't recall it. No. I mean, people have died in the consulship. Sure. Yes. But but that's I... usually really really brave and great. Yeah. Or foolish. Or it was a plague. <laughs> yeah. Awkward. Or a plague. Yeah. yeah we've had a lot of people die, but I don't remember anyone resigning before. So I feel like this is a pretty big moment. Yeah. You know, first this is huge. first person potentially to resign. Um. So. Great news for Cincinnatus' army because they get, you know, so much booty. And Livy tells me that the army were just in oh, the best shape ever having someone like Cincinnatus in charge. You know, they, they, just, they just really thrive under strong leadership, Dr. G. I just love being told what to do. I'm a natural submissive. <laughs> exactly. Um, and they love him so much that they give him a very elaborate gift, you know, a golden object. Um, and they also salute him as their protector when it's time for him to leave. He's so misunderstood. The yes. poor man. I he know. tells everybody what he wants. He just wants to be left alone to farm. And yeah. they're like, how about this gold statue? And he's like, I told you, I just want to farm. Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's fairly, you know, fairly impressive times. And, and naturally, as you would probably be expecting, Dr. G, what follows from this is huge triumph. The Senate are very happy with the job that Cincinnatus has done. And so when he returns to Rome, naturally, he is greeted with a huge triumph. Does he get a triumph in your account as well? Well, let me take you through um, my account. So um, we go back a little bit. Um, So, like, everybody's passed under the yoke, and that's fine. But Gracchus and the people who planned the revolt with Gracchus... Cincinnatus refuses um, to allow them to pass under the yoke. He orders them to be brought to him in chains. Yeah, that happens in Livy too. Um, yeah. So that's that's Gracchus yeah. done with. Um, bit of a shame, really. He seemed like a bright spark and, <laughs> in a dark Aquian world. Quickly snuffed out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
the Aquians agree to all of this. And Gracchus is like, guys, guys. <laughs> They're like, bye. <laughs> Speak great. Sorry. Yeah, if we can, if we can live. Yeah. Chain <laughs> sounds good. Yeah. Um, but not only that, he then, Cincinnatus then asks to have the city of Corbio um, to be given yes. to the Romans. Yes. I, I did actually leave out that detail. Yes. That so this happen. is the most significant Aquian city that they have right now. Mm. And he's like, in the same way that you treated Tusculum, we want to treat Corbio. Mm. That is part of the agreement. Um, if if you like don't is, give us this, yeah. you can't have peace. It's also like how they wanted Antium so badly yeah. in the Volscian territory. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, you want peace so badly? Well, here's my terms. I want your capital city, essentially. Yeah. And the Aquans are like, okay. Ouch. <laughs> ouch, <laughs> um, ouch, 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 ouch. Yeah, yeah. That hurts a little bit. Um, do we have to? And he's like, yes. Um, and so... Having done that, that's where they get the booty from. Mm. Um, so they basically sack Corbio um, and free the Tuscan Tusculans who've been kept there as hostages. Ah, the poor little Tusculans. I actually have one of them, Lucius Mamilius, getting citizenship. Oh, that's nice. Isn't it just? Oh, good on him. <laughs> With the approval of all. Oh, so he must have done something good. I know. I'm actually astounded that Livy just drops that in there <laughs> and doesn't and tell doesn't us tell why. why. Yeah. <laughs> Damn you, Livy! Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll leave that one as a bit of a mystery to look into later, yeah, perhaps. Exactly. Um, so the choice spoils from Corbio are taken back to the city. Uh, the rest are distributed to uh, the sentries and the troops, and uh, some quaestors get involved as well. And after that, they head back to Rome. Which is very exciting. Um, because it's triumph time. It's triumph time. It seems to be truly epic. You know, lots of food, lots of joking around, lots of good stuff happening. Yeah, so. and, and Dionysius does also let us know that Manuchius is forced to resign his majesty oh, on the return to Rome. Okay. Um, so uh, there's a there's a nice uh, correlation between Livy and Dionysius' account here. Um, but the triumph is apparently incredible um because in the space of 16 days he yeah it's not long he yeah. saves the army yeah he creates a first rate force yeah um <laughs> <laughs> he plunders one of their cities he leaves a garrison in corbio and he brings back the leader of the war um in chains so gracchus is brought back is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Superman, Zincinnatus. <laughs> you can take the man from the farm, but he's never far from Rome. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's pretty amazing stuff. Um, and, and this basically uh, frees up some space for Dionysius to do a hagiography of Cincinnatus. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Um, because he gets to like really dig into that mythos of Cincinnatus's witwas. Mm, um, so not only does he have this incredible triumph on on the back of all of these things that he's done in like just over two weeks, and everyone's like, "Call blimey, we should have called him months ago." <laughs> <laughs> Fixed us right up. We've won the war. We got a lot of treasure, and this Gracchus character. Oh, he doesn't look too shabby, does he? <laughs> so anyway, uh, he manages to achieve all of this stuff in. Less than three weeks. Uh, I mean, you know, timeline-wise, yeah, it's impressive. But you know what, Dr. G? I'm not that excited because 
Libby finishes the year on a bit of a dark note for me. Oh, okay. Well, let me just get yeah. in a couple of more positive no, things please, because yeah. I think we should end on a dark note, frankly. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's the way we like to do it. <laughs> so not only does he have this incredible triumph for these incredible things that he's done in a very short space of time, yes. he immediately then abdicates out of the dictatorship, doesn't want to hold it for the full six months. Yeah. Everyone's like, no, well, we've got to compensate you in some way for your great service. I mean, you've <laughs> saved everybody. They're like, how about some conquered land? I mean, we've got this great sort of strip in the Aquian territory now. Do you want it? Um, and they're like, how about some slaves and some money from the spoils? You should really take your share. Mm. Um, you you live in poverty. I mean, this is, a, well, yeah, this is mean, a good choice for you. I mean, your family is pretty poor. They've got a great reputation, but they don't have any cash. Well, this is the thing. When when Kaiser went into self-imposed exile, whatever the hell that was, by doing so, he forced his father to live in poverty because his father had given up a huge amount of what he had as a surety that Kaiser wasn't going to do that. <laughs> um, Awkward. Know, yeah, like it's like yeah, a sort yeah. of, like an ancient bail system or something. Yeah, so like everything that Cincinnatus has done rings with this like ancient weirdos. He gives up everything, puts everything on the line for his child. Yeah, his son um, doesn't work out. He accepts the poverty that comes with having made that decision without complaint and doesn't seem bitter against the state. Doesn't seem bitter against the state. That was a private decision, and he's happy to hold to the private consequences of it. Yeah, when he's called in to aid the state. He steps up and takes his responsibility only to the moment where he doesn't need to do it anymore. Yes. And then he steps back again. Yeah. So Power does not corrupt him. Yeah, he's not interested in power. Mm. He's not interested in wealth. So he refuses all of the spoils. He refuses the land. Um, and everyone's kind of like, you should probably accept something. I mean, you have <laughs> saved Rome. And he, he's like... Please, he's take like, this loaf of bread. And he's like, yeah, like something, anything. Like, you name it, dude. Uh, you don't want the land? Fine. You don't want the spoils? Okay. Just, uh, can we gift you something? Mm. Um, because everybody's now feeling guilty. They're like, we pulled this guy out because he's amazing, but also now he won't accept a thank you gift. Um, and he says, I don't want any of your presents. Really, seriously, thank you for your enthusiasm. I can't accept. I'm not interested. Goes back to his farm. Um, and, and his wife's like, finally, <laughs> where's that purple tailgate? <laughs> Please take off that tailgate and get back to it. <laughs> and he's like, for you, honey, anything. <laughs> um, and that's kind of where things wrap up. Okay. Okay. So for me, this is actually, 458 is actually very nicely woven together by Livy because I'm coming back full circle, Dr. G. Before Cincinnatus, he is prepared to give up power. Don't get me wrong. He's not corrupted by it. But before he gives it up, there's one final thing that he's got to see through. Does the name Marcus Volskius mean anything to you? <laughs> That's right. The guy I keep forgetting. Yes, yeah. I remember yeah, him now. Yeah, the guy that we kept forgetting. The Tribune of the Plebs. Yeah, Tribune the one of the who Plebs. Had, the one who's been involved in getting Kaiser Cincinnatus basically shoved out of the city. Yeah, so Volskius started a lot of the trouble with Kaiser because he claimed that Kaiser had run into his ill slash recovering from illness brother uh, violently assaulted him to the point where his brother died and this is part of the reason why Kaizo ended up leaving town didn't want to face the consequences there's been moves against Volskius that we've been talking about but now it's time and the tribunes are too much in the thrall of Cincinnatus to oppose him this time they just can't say no 
And so the trial goes ahead, and with very little fanfare, Volskius is found guilty and sent into exile. Wow, just like that. Just like that. Oof, I'm hoping that's coming up in my narrative. Which just seems crazy to me that this guy just goes very quietly off into the sunset, which apparently is Lanuvium. That's where he, <laughs> that's where he is. Uh, the Lanuvian sunset. Said. Once that happens, then Cincinnatus gives up the power of dictator. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Got to look um, after family first. Yeah. In the meantime, Nautius uh, is, you know, just to wrap up the year, Nautius, where we we have confirmation that he's uh, he's fine against the Sabines. Um, so, you know. <laughs> he does get short shrift in this narrative. He's, yeah, he's still, still doing great, but no Nautius, one really cares. Yeah. great job. Yeah. Nobody cares. And Fabius, uh, I guess because Cincinnatus has stepped down, he's sent off to take Manuchius's place at Mount Olgidus. Um So, I, you know. Basically, we've got therefore no. Uh, we got we've got armies still in the field, even though they might not necessarily be fighting for their lives anymore. Which means that we can't talk about the law against the, the law, laws, which is exactly what the patricians want. Yeah, so it's very full circle to me uh, in that we we can't talk about the law against the laws. The only slight bright point that I can I can end on in all of this is that we do have the same tribunes running for a fifth time and being elected again. Is that possible if one of them's been sent into exile? You know, I actually feel like we might have been wrong about that. <laughs> I feel like that that's not possible. Maybe we missed... Maybe there... I think there was a group of three or four tribunes, Yeah, actually. maybe that's the case. Yeah, yeah. but we've got... We've got just the two of them. We've got the same tribunes being elected for a fifth time. And... Livy finishes with a good old prodigy. Haven't had one of these for a while. Wolves are seen prowling on the Capitol and they're being chased by dogs. As a result, the Capitol is purified. The end. You know what that means, Dr. G. It's time. 458 is a wrap. It's time for the partial pick. Okay. All right. We've got so much to talk about. We I, do. I don't even know where to begin, but you can tell me okay. uh, what's our first category for a potential uh, 10 well, Golden Eagles. Wait for it. Yeah. For the partial pick is yeah. a possible score out of 50 Gold Eagles. In total. And yes. we have five categories, mm. each of which are worth 10. Yeah. The first is Military Cloud. Well, there's definitely some room to move in this category. Yeah, this there's show. a lot of military cloud there's a lot going of military on. Cloud. I feel like I it's mean, a good 10 out of 10. I kind of feel like it is. There's not really anything bad happening in this one. It's all well victories. Done, right? yeah. It's all palisades and getting your stakes together. Ugh, I hate rewarding Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> and second of all, diplomacy. Well, I if guess... If it's by the sword. <laughs> yeah, this is what I mean. I feel like we can't really say there's a lot of diplomacy happening. No. Although, although, Cincinnatus did say that the Aquians didn't have to be massacred. He, uh, he did negotiate that's a pretty surrender. generous. Well, yeah. It, it's, he does give them the option to go under the yoke. Yeah. But is it di- diplomatic? 
I feel like it's like a two, you know, like it's worth something. <laughs> okay. Because he could have just said, you, you know what, you guys have caused us nothing but trouble. Again, yeah. you're out of movie. here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're out of here. Um, so two, I think a two. Okay. I mean, I'm happy to go one to be honest, but I feel like it's something. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure that it really classifies as diplomacy when you're at the end of a sword. Yeah, I just feel like it is some is some sort of negotiation, I suppose. Yeah, but if you okay, don't gonna... have the option to say no, I said, well, you do, but then you don't. Yeah, but then yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. It's the last no you'll ever have. All right, let's just give it a one. <laughs> let's give it a one. Yeah. All right. Okay. Expansion. They gain some Aquian territory. They do, Corbio, finally, yeah. And it seemed that Nautius also overruns a large part of Sabine country. Whether yeah. they control it, that's another I'm matter. not getting the sense that that's happening yet, but he's still out there. I mean, that's the thing. At the end of <laughs> he could be doing anything out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's still in the midst. Um, so, Nautius, come home. Is that like a four? It's, yeah. Yeah, it's not like a huge amount of territory, so. Okay. Weird to us. Oh, it's a big 10, it's I a, think. It's got to be a 10 it's out of 10. It's got to be a 10. Nobody's got more weird than Cincinnatus. Yeah, exactly. Cincinnatus There's on no his way. Own. Yeah. Look at him go. He says no to I all mean, of the things he should say no to. He says farming. yes to all the things he should say yes to. <laughs> the farming. The shirtlessness. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Saving the city. Bringing back an enemy in chains. Yeah. Resigning from the dictatorship ahead of time. After, refusing any presence. And, and seeing off the man that destroyed his son. I mean, yeah. I know that's not probably really a thing, but I feel like it's something. No, he's yeah. upholding the family. Yeah. Good okay. part of familiar stuff. And right. citizen score. Okay. Well, I mean, because there is a lot of warfare happening and... Livy does specifically tell us that there are these abortive attempts to talk about the law about the laws. It's pretty bad. To which be aren't happening. Also, you, then you just get levied in like a dictatorship where yeah. they're like, you must turn up with 12 stakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so, I mean, they do seem enthusiastic about Cincinnatus. But then, of course, Weirdly. as if Livy's going to say anything else. Yeah. Livy's enthusiastic about Cincinnatus. Yes. So I don't really believe him. Um <laughs> So I'm saying it's not great. I'm going to go with maybe a three. I think so too. It's not the worst it could be because, let's face it, Cincinnatus, you know, some, be tough. Some of the foot soldiers get some booty. That's so, true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they go out and die. They go out and win. Yeah. He's tough and fair. And I feel by, by Roman standards, clearly they seem to respect that. They do like tough and fair. Dr. G, hold on to your stola. Oh, that means that Rome has ended up with a grand total of 28 golden oh eagles. Oh, God. They haven't scored this well in a long time. I Where's Cincinnatus when we need him? I don't think we've cleared the pass point in a long time. I mean, wow. if ever. So, Rome. Oh, this is a big turnaround from the last episode. I don't know if I can cope. I know. It's pretty heady stuff. So you're definitely going to want to tune in next time. See what happens once Cincinnatus has left Rome. <laughs> It'll never be the same again. <laughs> Forever changed. Yep. Back on his farm. What will the Romans do without him? Uh, now, before we sign off today, we, of course, have to acknowledge that we have a recording space finally very generously arranged by Macquarie University. And we'd like to give personal thanks to Professor Ray Lawrence for helping to make that happen. Shout out to Macquarie. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, this is Dr. G here. You've just been listening to another exciting episode from the Partial Historians. We would like to say a huge thank you to our patrons, 
Donna, Joel, Roman, Savannah, Sharon, Sean, and Zara. Thank you so much for your support. For those of you who are interested in learning more about our podcast, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Catch you next time.